According to some sources, a dolphin is able to tell the difference between a BB pellet and a kernel of corn 15 meters away. We don't actually know how the dolphin is able to see things like this still. We're still trying to figure that one out. However, dolphins, bats, and whales are all able to use a form of sonar, which stands for sound navigation ranging, to be able to communicate, navigate, and see, to be able to understand the world around them and perceive their external environment. Hi, it's John. You're listening to the Access Potential Podcast. The dolphin's sonar system is built into its DNA. It's known as both active sonar and biosonar. Active because there's an output as compared to just listening. And bio, well, it's an animal and biology. So the dolphin sonar or echolocation process goes something a little bit like this. The dolphin uses nasal passages to make some clicking noises and it sends these through its forehead which focuses the sounds together almost into like a beam before it sends it out into the water. When the sound runs into an object, it bounces back. It's kind of like throwing a tennis ball against a wall or I suppose hearing your echo in a valley. Thirdly, the dolphin then absorbs this returning echo through its jaw. The dolphin has a jaw that has a passage of fat encapsulated in it. The sound travels up this passage of fat and into the dolphin's inner ear. Here the nerve impulses are processed by the brain to interpret the size, shape, and even the material of the objects or the surrounding environment around the dolphin. When you're surfing... The faster that you're going, the more power you can generate in your turns, the harder you can drive the board, and the more vertical the movements can become. When we talk about speed and surfing, we're talking about the speed of the board over the surface of the water. So it makes sense then that initially we want to chase the speed, kind of like in a car, just accelerate. The faster we go, the faster we go. However, this happens for a lot of beginner surfers. They start to do this. They chase it. They don't allow. So they chase the speed from the takeoff or when you catch the wave until eventually they end up so far out in front of the wave that they lose all of their energy. Then they realize this and they start to learn to try to cut back into the pocket or the power part of the wave. The more experienced surfer will often set up their turn so they'll wait a little bit so they can surf right in the pocket of the wave more often. So right in that pocket where the wave's critical, kind of where it's breaking, there's a lot more power available and they can generate a lot more speed in the movements. This allowing seems really counterintuitive. It's like a slowing down, but we actually end up with a faster board speed and better, more critical surfing. So there's a certain part of the wave that has more power in it. This element of patience and of receiving allows a surfing to actually be a lot more aggressive. In a final and probably a little bit more obvious example, we can look at spearfishing. The success here is almost entirely dictated by the ability to allow. There's no external trap, no bait, no engine, no scuba tank. And unlike some other forms of hunting, there's even less of an ability to stalk 
as we have limitations with breath. So at any point in time, we're literally waiting, calmly, silently, slowly waiting in an environment where any fish that even swims in the ocean is able to outswim us whenever it likes. So we have no option but to wait. Eventually, yeah, we dive, but again, we're waiting down there. We could be in the water for a few minutes overall. We could be in the water for a few hours. Waiting can vary. And we can try to use different methods to attract the fish, to attract the the fish that we're looking for. But at the end of the day, we've got very little control. Eventually, though, if we wait well enough, we have opportunity. We position ourselves close enough for a shot at the fish. In the Access Potential Academy, we're running this nine-month workshop. Almost everyone is running a business or is a freelancer or is creating a project. At some stage, everyone fills out what I call a super niche sheet. And this is also known as an empathy deep dive exercise. And it's something that I have coaches, practitioners, business owners, service providers fill out to get clear on a few things. So in this sheet, what we're looking at is called a psychographic analysis or psychographic snapshot. Sounds complicated, but basically it just means that we don't really care as much if the person that we're looking to serve is 20 years old or 60 year old, male or female, we're not looking at their demographics. We care more about their worldviews, their belief systems. So what makes them tick? What do they like? What are their fears? What drives their status? When we know this, we can not only be an effective communication effective marketing, I suppose, but we can also change our program or create a program that's hyper-relevant, that's actually going to solve a problem, a product or service that's interesting and it's worth them talking about. Maybe they tell their friends. So obviously this is very helpful. So in this we observe, we can ask questions, we can listen, we can see. We're able to receive information, which we can then use to understand the environment of the mind. And this is essential if we actually want to help the people that we're looking to work with. So we're seeing that for the dolphin, their incredible ability to position themselves in the world is at least 50% dependent on allowing, on receiving. When we serve, it makes sense to go faster. But when we look closely, a lot of times we're allowing the wave to catch up. This then sets us up for more speed and more possibilities, more power becomes available because we're in the right part of the wave. When we're under the water, without becoming extremely good at allowing or receiving, you miss the opportunities entirely. So really, this podcast today is about the power of receiving, of listening. Some call this a yin energy, a female energy. I think at a minimum, it's a neutral posture, a neutral energy. It's a pause. And in a busy world, it becomes a conscious pause, becomes a practice, something that we can do on purpose. Not plugging into a program to watch something after work, not putting on a video to actively view, but a deeper look at what is running in the background. So what does it mean to wait? What does it mean to stand still? What does it mean to listen? Why is this something that's worth talking about today? Why is this so powerful? 
A lot of times in my blog posts, I talk about particular cognitive biases that I find interesting. One of them, a really basic and common one, is called a confirmation bias. So this is the tendency to search for, interpret, focus on, or remember information in a way that confirms your preconceptions. And really, I feel that this is at the root of why we get into trouble so many times. It kind of stops our ability to pivot and change. It creates reaction instead of response. So let's have another look, this idea of the preconception. What is a preconception? A previously adopted concept or group of concepts. It's taking a concept that we know or we think that we know from the past and bringing it forward to the present. This concept is carried with us and most importantly it's our concept it's from our minds it's from our own experiences beliefs and judgments when we think about our work we carry our concepts or a group of concepts directly into the people we work with when we do this we almost always not always but almost always miss the mark a little bit There's no way that the narrative or the concepts of the people that we're looking to work with are going to definitely match our own. So if the dolphin were to carry a preconception of its surroundings, its environment with it, it would have been extinct a long time ago. The confirmation bias is a continual reminder of our lack of this pause, our lack of the ability to observe and try to understand Without the ability to receive what is, we simply project what we carry with us all the time. We remain active. And when we think of spearfishing, it makes sense to bring, be active in this hunt. We're the hunter. To hunt is to be active. Yet, somehow, 99% of the time that we spend when we go spearfishing is observing. Just being quiet in the environment. So this environment, another way to look at this stuff is simply asking the question of how are we interacting with the outside environment? And if we're a business owner or a practitioner, how are we interacting with our market, with the people that we want to work with? Do we have a process in place to be able to listen, to be able to cultivate empathy, to be able to observe? Have we got a process for trying to understand what's happening in their mind? What about in our mind? What then? What is the process of observing for noticing what's happening in our own mind? So in 2009 or so, I was in my first business that I started. I owned a specialty running store, and I was also competing in long-distance triathlons, Ironman triathlons. My days were pretty much rammed. I woke up, I remember, 5.05, I'd wake up, I'd get ready to ride, get my morning bike session in, and it was dark. I'd have these lights strapped onto the bike, flashing ones on the front and then the red ones on the back, put my jacket on, put my bag on, jump on the bike, 80 k's done on the way to work. I'd get there literally 10 to 15 minutes before I'd open, no time to eat, I'd just open the store, usually somebody waiting at the door, and I'd work through to lunch and then I'd have my first meal, I'd go up and I'd buy a whole roast chicken from the grocer, some maybe some bits of fruits or vegetables, some little sides, and then I'd run back to the store, open it up again, 
and I'd kind of eat this food as I tended the store, make sure nobody came in or needed any service. So over and over, I would repeat this process. When I finished up, I'd usually run home, which was about, I think, 12K, uh, or I'd ride home and then do it again the next day. So day in, day out. Eventually, of course, after a race, which was the Huskisson Long Course in 2010, which I did really well in, I literally couldn't function. I couldn't get out of bed. I was completely broken. And this was the same year, and largely because of this physical breakdown, there was this heavy mental kind of dark stage or almost breakdown that came with it. And as part of this, I remember reaching out to my mom and I had asked her about meditation. And I began this sort of patchy meditation practice and mostly to audio CDs then, uh, but pretty soon on my own. And really this, this meditation practice, if you will, could have been called kind of like a stop and listen to the crap that's going on in my head practice or a stop and watch practice. So these pauses were a forced break. And at the time, this was for someone who was running way too hot. And eventually, of course, this practice became longer, became its own sort of process or journey. And it became the kernel for retreats, solo retreats and silent retreats. And then later, of course, the unplugged group and movement meditation retreats that we've run the last couple of years. So ironically, this practice was really helpful for the mind, but it allowed me to see a little clear this really distorted reality that I'd created for myself. And it sounds a little crazy, but the scary thing is how easy it is to reposition myself back into this kind of situation. And this is something that I see with a lot of people we work with. We find this is, there's this incredible ability to escalate, whether it's our business, our hobby, our passion, into this place where they aren't is effective anymore and even worse occasionally into this place where it causes harm either to ourselves our health our body our mind or to other aspects of our life our relationships or people around us so now in the access potential academy that we run a nine-month workshop for business owners this concept of allowing is a major pillar and we start off with this don't get me wrong, so we're still pushing people to find their limits. There's a lot of work to do, but we believe that when we watch, we can become more whole, more aware of, more, of other aspects of ourselves, more aware as an individual, more aware as a group, how we're relating. And through this, we can become better leaders. So one of the practices that we have that we begin with is called a whole body breath awareness. So it's a practice Basically, we're starting this whole Access Potential Academy program with this act of listening, creating time for listening, watching. Coaching itself is often this act of listening or reflecting, of seeing, allowing things to become clear. So a lot of the one-on-one -on -one work is this concept of stopping this ordinary flow of events, of pausing the day, of pausing the conversation, looking deeper at how we're speaking, how we're leading, how we're acting, how we're communicating, how we're operating. But going back to the breath practice, when we think about these breath practices or about meditation, I feel there's this modern conditioning that's come in. I want to say in the last five years, because I didn't really notice it before then, but it could well have been there, but really have noticed it with this mass social media addiction that's come on in the last five years. 
And there's this intellectual understanding that with that there's some process of watching that we're doing that we have, but then we've also got this overlay, and the overlay is this kind of imagery, this kind of dialogue or direction that's coming through the culture, whether it's through studios or through uh, the people who are teaching. And so we see this also with a lot of the breathing practices. Uh, it's a similar sort of thing. And what I call this for both of them is kind of like a directional practice or it's a driven practice. And the practice might start off with this language of having no judgment. But then there's this method, breathe like this, hold your breath like that, look for this, relax that. These harder, more firm directional methods. These methods are driving the practice. So it becomes like this reflection of this biohacker mindset because we have different methods. One's better than this. One can create alpha waves, theta waves, beta waves. And the mantra is kind of similar to me. It's this directional way of looking at this practice. So of course there's judgment because it, although it might be small, it's there because you don't. if you don't match the pattern or the method as prescribed, then we have comparison, we have contrast. So the inverse of this is basically allowing, opening up to what is, only receiving. Just sit, just watch. Eventually, we run into what I've called the observer effect before. I've wrote about this, written about this in blogs. But basically, there's no driver, no technique. It's just awareness on the breathing, awareness on the body, awareness on the mind or of the mind. And for the modern mind, this is way more difficult. It's lots easier to be the dolphin that's just sending stuff out to the world or the surfer that's just racing out in front, not having to receive or not wanting to receive. And the honest truth is, I think we all struggle with this. We struggle with this concept of allowing. And for me, I certainly struggle with this concept of allowing. We way prefer to be active this is a bigger issue and maybe one for another podcast, but when we understand this, this drive to be active, not only in how we perceive the world, but in our own activities, and even active in determining how others perceive the world, then we can start to be aware of it. Because ultimately, our struggle with allowing what is, is tiring. It's exhausting. We always need to do more as we just aren't used to space. When we have space, often we fill it with checking, checking out what's going on, another active false form of receiving. This is scary. We're so conditioned with this idea of growth, of leveling up, as I hear it called all the time. But the truth is, as we start to find these moments to practice waiting, watching, and listening, we find out that we don't actually have an opposition to the concepts like growth, but we've got an ally. When we allow, we receive. And when we do this, we find out that we're more advantaged mechanically. So if it's in our training, we recover better. We recover faster from the load or the stimulus or our practice. If it's in business, we start to see trends in the area of our work. We understand where our ability to serve is. We can become more watchful and notice our own habits, where we're wasting time doing things that aren't serving us. We can lead ourselves and others more easily 
And ultimately, we can start to meet people to create change that we want to see rather than getting frustrated and giving up. So the way I see it from training, from the gym, from business, from sales, the ability to receive and listen opens up a ton of potential. It's so scary, though, that we fill the gaps with more doing, fake listening, like checking emails, checking social media, checking in to see what's going on. If it's in the gym or your sport, if you're training, if you're pushing your limits of what you're trying to achieve or get done or pushing those athletic boundaries, it's the same thing. What happens when you try listening? So in this domain, it's particularly scary because scary you need to back off and you need to watch and you need to feel, learn to feel what's going on with the body, learn to become aware a lot of times I talk about things like tension, carrying tension through the move, movement, looking at tension through the face, the jaw, the neck, the hands, to see what you're actually doing when you do these movements. How well are you moving? How does it feel? If you're running, how are you actually running? The focus is often on distance, kilometers done in the week. But how are you actually running 10 steps? How does it look? What's the impact? What's the technique? What's the form like? The injury that you've got, what is it telling you? We can't learn, we can't see this when the accelerator is down. So if you've got a coach, it's usually a little bit easier. Look for honest opinions, create some quiet space, have a chat with the coach and really listen to what they're saying. Try to understand what they're telling you. And if you do, if you've got a good coach, I guarantee you're going to find a new level of performance. It might feel like you're slowing down a little bit because you are. You're slowing down to understand and to see, but the upside potential goes through the roof. If it's in business, same deal. We can work on something like the super niche sheet or we can just start off. We can start today. So we can try watching, try listening to the staff, listening to our customers, not just what they're saying on the surface, but what they're really saying. 90% of startups fail. And often the product or service is viable, but these failures are almost always a communication problem, either laterally at the top level, so between founders or those who create the startup, or vertically, so they aren't able to communicate the real benefits or the value of the product to the people that they seek. And when it's a communication problem, often it's a listening problem. Try listening to see, listen to understand versus listening to respond. And when I say listening, it doesn't mean we put out a survey form. This is active listening. This is checking. It means we need to watch. We need to actually do the work ourselves. So in a world where we're quick to put on a program and watch, quick to engage, quick to send out things and hope to get attention, quick to sponsor an ad, quick to do more, quick to fill in the gaps, what happens when we pause just for a moment and receive. Where could this ability to notice take your training? Where could this take your communication and interaction and personal relationships? And then, of course, where could these insights that you can gain from this practice take your business? That's it for this week of the Access Potential podcast. If you have any questions on this podcast or any of the other ones, grab me on the email, john at johntmarsh.com. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, 
feel free to send this along to someone else who might enjoy it, someone else who might benefit from bringing in some listening, some allowing, some receiving into their day, into their lives. And I will see you again next week.